Hi everyone, welcome to our interviews. We're going to be doing our first episode of our anonymous call, and we have someone very special sharing their story and experience with us today. And um, we're going to jump right into it. So, thank you for coming on and sharing your story with us. So, tell us, you know, um, a big lesson um, could be. Um, that has to deal with traumas, um, an emotional state, um, or just an experience that you've encountered in life that you feel like your audience would take away from and also, you know, um, you would feel more comfortable anonymously talking about it. Okay. Um, so there was a time in my life, this was about seven years ago, uh, I was I was young. I was in my early twenties, and I wanted to do things the right way. Um, growing up from a Muslim household, I wanted to get married the right way and uh, have a companion in the right way. There was a woman or a girl at the time who I was friends with, and we um, got feelings for each other. Friends became like a dating phase, which is, you know, shied upon in our dean. And then uh, families found out, so we made the dating phase into an engagement. And then the person that I had known at that time, you know, we had a, we had a nice love. It was, it was pretty calm. It was, uh, it was reciprocated on both ends. So we decided, and I decided at that age that, you know, I just want to do it the right way and get married. So I would go on to get married. And at the age of 21, 21, 22 is when we got married. And this woman was my first everything in terms of um, losing my virginity, things like that. Like the first person I, you could say, fell in love with. Um, we had a whole wedding and everything was nice. But uh, the thing is, sometimes you might think you know a person and so you live with them and then you realize that this is not the same person that you thought you loved or that you thought you knew. So in the course of our marriage, as soon as we got married and moved in together, I noticed that we had a very different uh, love language. We also had a different way of living, uh, backgrounds that we came from, upbringings, the way we were raised. And that took some adjustment. And that was something I was willing to adjust to. But this was somebody that I had basically spent the last four years of my life trying to work towards a marriage. And I did everything to get to that point. And at the age of 21, not a lot of men can do that. Um, mm -hmm. But I said, you know, I'll do whatever it takes. That's kind of how my mentality is. When it, Once I'm committed, I'm committed. Mm -hmm. So um, we got married, of course, moved in together. Life would go on. But something that I noticed as soon as we got married was that there was some complacency from her end in terms of she got really comfortable with the idea that, okay, she's married now, you know, 
where's like her husband's not going to go anywhere he's mine you know that kind of mentality mm-hmm. and before you know it i noticed that she just started to let herself go and in the process of it she let me go and stopped showing the affection stopped showing um any emotional intelligence on her end and i felt like i was I felt like I was both the man and the woman in the relationship. And growing up as an Arab man, a Muslim man, you kind of have this uh, preconception or this notion that you, as the man, uh, should not be emotionally vulnerable or emotionally transparent. And that if you're a man, you don't show your emotions. But I, 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 that's not how I am. I express my emotions, I talk about them. I let you know exactly how I'm feeling if something's bothering me, if I wanna work on something. And my whole mentality, even from a younger age was, you know, if we're together, then we should get through things together. If you're going through something, I'm gonna go through it with you um, because we wanna see it through to the end. And uh, anyway, so as the marriage progressed, the first six months was kind of a adjustment period. And I would say there was a lot of just understanding that I had to do from my end. But after the understanding part, I realized that, you know, some people's nature in terms of habits that they might have uh, don't change. Now this isn't to say she was a bad woman or anything. She was a good woman. She was a good person. But when it came to loving and expressing her love, she wasn't like me in the in the idea that, like to give some examples, um, I would come home from work or she would come home from work. And mm-hmm. if I wasn't working that day or I got home early, then I was like, okay, in my mind, I know that she's been working. Let me have food ready. Let me have the place ready. And let me like, be ready to welcome her back to the house. Because to me, like my partner is my comfort. They're basically like my escape from all the stress of life. Mm -hmm. So I would have everything ready by the time she'd get home and I would welcome her and hug her and kiss her and everything. And on the other side, when I would come home, it was very common that like, there was no acknowledgement that, okay, I was back home now. Like I didn't feel like I was important. I just felt like I was living maybe with a roommate to the point that I would come home, she'd be watching TV, she'd just look up at me and be like, hey. And for me, I was like, you know, that's not, I wanna feel loved, I wanna feel like I'm valued, like I, like I matter to this person. So at first I was like, maybe this is just how she is. And I accepted it and I was like, okay, this is just how she is, I'm just gonna have to adjust to it. But then as I grew older and as the months passed and the years passed, I was like, why do I have to accept this? Why do I have to be okay with this? When on my end, I show so much love and gratitude and I literally would do anything for this person to see them happy. Um, And then I realized that that's not how it should be. It should be both people should give and take. Uh, There's no need for it to be one-sided and that's how it felt as the marriage progressed. Either way though, 
I said to myself, you know, how about after the first year, I was like, why don't we move from where we were living to somewhere nicer? So we moved and um, I moved mainly for her because she wanted to be closer to the city. She wanted to enjoy her life more. She wanted to like get out more. So I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So without question, we moved. And then after the moving, I noticed that it just got worse. Like her nature remained the way it was. And um, in the sense of letting herself go? In the sense of letting herself go, like she pretty much stopped caring altogether. It got to the point where, and this is not to throw shade at her or anything, but like she put on about 60 to 80 pounds. Um, everything just went really like downhill from there. There was no. So- I'm sorry. So when, when you say that she let herself go, you just mean in regards to her physical appearance? Well, her physical and her mental, like she lost the drive to really do much. And then she lost the, the care for the, like the, the marriage. Like if, 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 if he was unhappy, then, you know, oh, well, that's his problem. He needs to go figure it out. In, in a sense, in a sense, did you feel like um, when you saw that happening with your partner at the time, did you try to like work together as a team or to try to like motivate her, um, you know, to just get herself back or to get your, you know, as far as the communication, like, did you communicate these things to her and tell her how you felt or did you just more so know that? inside and keep that within yourself oh i absolutely communicated it and i would even see mm-hmm. ways to um fix whatever problem it was like for example when she started putting on weight i wouldn't like go to her and be like oh you're fat no it was nothing like that i would be like you know what why don't we both join a gym together and work out together and go you know do things together so we tried that at first it worked out for like a week and then she was like, okay, I'm bored with this. I was like, okay, so how, you know, like what would you prefer? So the place we moved into, I had a two-story gym inside of it so I could make it even more convenient for her because she was like, I don't like going to the gym because it's too public and people are looking at me. Okay, so here's a private gym. That wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, it's not fun. I was like, all right, so like what else can we do? So she started going to certain like fitness classes that were fun for her so mm-hmm. i would i would pay like extra money to be like here you sign up for all these classes and go like go knock yourself out have fun and she carried on with that for probably a month and then just stopped and what i started to notice was that like you can't you can't change a person mm-hmm. right? if they don't want change for themselves if they don't want betterment for themselves you can maybe uh, motivate them or inspire them through your example but it comes down to every individual whether or not they want to change so in the midst of like your emotional distress and that kind of detachment that you were feeling towards her um you were still trying to like better her and kind of you were you know putting her first and neglecting your own emotions in a sense for her own satisfaction so how did that you know did that over time you know make you more numb to the situation numb to your own emotions 
or how did you really go about that? Like, because I, I know that can eat a person away when they just kind of emotionally neglect themselves for a very long time and they just kind of focus all, all their energy on one person. Yeah, it, it made, um, so for my own emotions, it not so much it became numb. It's like I changed for her and everyone mm -hmm. close to me, around me, noticed. They'd come up to be like, hey, man, you, you're not happy. Like, what's going on? And in my mind, I was like, what do you mean I'm not happy? But then that unhappiness became the new normal for me. But okay. who knew who I was could identify that there was something wrong. My dad would come up to me and be like, hey, you know, I can tell you're not happy in your marriage. You know, if you're not happy, you should leave. He was very okay. a strong proponent of that. And but I became accepting of whatever it was she was going through. Mm -hmm. uh, just so because I was like, you know, what, I'll sacrifice myself so that we can grow together but that's not how it works um what what i noticed like i would even do extreme things like okay she's feeling down i'd book a trip to another country so we can just get away she can enjoy her time there or we'll just go take a trip or whatever it is you know whatever was bothering her i would do what I can to be like, you know what, let's get out of the situation and try mm -hmm. to fix it. And, um, and it caused me to change and take me out of my nature. Okay. In what sense? Like I, I didn't basically like her family, anything they wanted, I would agree to. Um, okay. And I was always there, always spending time with her family. But when it came to my family, like, we would go to my family's house and my dad would try to talk to her and she would just like look the other way and not even respond. And that hurt me, you know, I was like, my dad's old and he wanted just people to talk to. And he, and she wasn't there. And I was like, okay, she doesn't really get along with my family, which in the beginning she did. And then over time, I guess her true colors kind of came out. Um, but I was even willing to look over that and be like, okay, it's all right. Just, you know, it's about me and my wife now. But I realized, oh, like, okay. yeah, go ahead. How long were you in this, like, um, emotional state of mind? You know, how long was, how, how long were you in it? And what was the turning point for you uh, to kind of get out of it? And, you know, what were th certain things that you had to do to get out of that? So, um I was in that for about two years and it got to the point, the turning point was basically, um, I noticed we both created more and more distance from each other because mm -hmm. the love was pretty much gone. The emotional attachment was gone. The missing of the person was gone. And I was like, okay, you know, I would come home and not feel welcome to my own home. and. I would go on my bike and bike for like 20 miles just so I can be away from home. So I was like escaping from it because after trying to work on it for so long, it was like, okay, I'm not getting anywhere. So I'll just ignore the problem. And bear in mind, I was still young. So I didn't have the mental maturity to like uh, deal with it. So instead yeah. I would try to run away. So, okay. So like the sense of you saying that you tried to run away from it, and at that point, it kind of seems like you were already like checked out. You didn't want to like, at that point, you just don't want to put any more effort into it. 
um, what in the sense of you saying that you, you know, were like running away from it, did that cause you to seek out um, a desire or, you know, temptation from other women because you were not getting the satisfaction that you needed in your relationship, your marriage? It wasn't so much that I was seeking it. It was more so it was coming to me because when I was realizing that my companion who I thought, you know, I could go to for anything was not there, I would instead resort to other habits like biking or going to the gym or bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. That would just keep my mind off of it and not, because I could feel myself getting depressed. I was like, you know what, let me get into some healthy habits for myself. But of course, when you start getting into fitness and you start getting to the betterment of yourself mm -hmm. more eyes more eyes get on you um of course and if you're an attractive person and then you're fit on top of that and you're strong you know the opposite sex definitely looks at you um and so any sex would look at you know well i mean it's like a, it's a natural thing to it's be a natural. attracted to different to people yeah. for that attraction to happen but do yeah. you feel that when you were in that position you know because you know people do mistake do make mistakes but do you feel like when you were in that moment did you honestly feel any type of regret in while you were doing that in the sense of when you were with you know other people or you know doing things that were not right even though you were not happy or satisfied did, did you feel a regret did you feel bad well at the time i wasn't doing anything yet or didn't lead to anything yet I wasn't, that wasn't, okay. that wasn't my intention. That came later. Um, okay. Okay. After the second year, when I had kind of reached my own like physical peak and like working on myself and just concentrating on myself. But then um, what I noticed was, and this is crazy because one of her own acquaintances, I guess, put her eye on me. Okay. And and this is kind of where like there was a big turning point in the whole thing for me personally, because before this, I was asking God to like guide me towards what is good for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess what I didn't realize is that God's guidance sometimes comes in mysterious ways. Um, and he sends people in your life that can change your life for good. And sometimes it's for the better, even though in the moment it doesn't seem like that. So uh, kind of fast forward, after like dealing with so much neglect and so much, just, you know, there was no like emotional connection anymore. Mm -hmm. I kind of isolated to myself, just kind of did my own thing. And, and we remained good to each other. Like there was no fights or arguments or anything like that. It was just, there was no like connection anymore. So later on, um after the second year i found myself one night i had a dream and in this dream this girl which was her acquaintance uh, was in my dream and in the dream we were talking and flirting and then we we proceeded to have sex with each other and i woke up and i was like thinking like why am i having this dream and then i was like you know what just go back to sleep don't worry about it and then the dream started over again and it was like a continuation. So I was curious and I was like, you know what? I'm having this dream for a reason. I'm going to go and message that girl. So I messaged her. As you were married to 
as I was okay so I, I messaged her and I was like hey I I had this dream and I'm I'm like I want to make sense of it like what does this mean and she told me this girl she was like you know back then when I saw you um I did look at you that way and if I looked at you that way that's mean I really that that means I really wanted you and I was okay. kind of like what's up I'm just agreeing with you yeah so I was like okay um in my mind I was like you know you're married like what, what do you mean and she knows I'm married which was even more kind of shocking but I said I was kind of confused by it but then I just went back to sleep and the next day me and her start talking talking became mm-hmm. talking. and then uh, I remember during like the those two or three weeks of talking my relation with my wife was probably the worst that had ever been in terms of like there's absolutely no affection no communication anymore even when I would try um and then just were you trying um with affection like were you giving her affection in the midst of all this like was that an effort end up like as a distraction yeah was that like an effort that you were doing like were you speaking to this other woman um in you know a flirtatious sexual manner and then also trying to speak like that with your wife or was it like just complete detachment of your wife's you know feelings because you just said that like you know you were still trying to do that so I'm just a little confused I just want you to explain that a little more well because just like to to point point it out because like you said um that that three weeks was like the worst Mm -hmm. and you started communicating with the other the other woman yeah do you feel like like that you it was the worst that it was because now you were getting the attention and the validation and the things that you wanted from your marriage you're getting this from this other person do you think that's what honestly made things worse and made you lose that connection even more no i would say it was already really bad up until this point me and that girl talked only as talking there was no flirting yet um but you said that you were talking to her about like that dream of you guys having sex so and then you said the next day you guys were flirting so you guys were flirting no, like over the next two, three weeks, there was flirting. But that okay. happened towards the end of the, ne- the next two, three weeks. So the next okay. like, two weeks, it was just talking, trying to make sense of it. And she was more so for those two weeks, kind of like trying to counsel me out of it. Um, she was counseling you out of it, the other woman. Like she was trying to tell me, yeah, she was trying to tell me like, you know, if you're not happy, then just leave. Or, you know, you shouldn't do this. But then she was also like on the fence about it too, because she really wanted me. So there's, it was like a confusing time, but it's not like we were talking every day or every minute. It was like just okay. a conversation here and there. It was building that emotional connection though. Mm-hmm. That's what it, that's what it was. Yeah. Even you, could, you know, more than every day, it was still building a type of attraction, attraction and a relationship. And especially the fact that you could go to her and open up about things and you guys can discuss it. Yeah. Which I think is that was a trigger. Part. Yeah, which is all I all I wanted was a partner that I could just talk to. That's mm-hmm. it. It wasn't even about sex. It wasn't about like, you know, getting my nut. It wasn't about that. It was about I just wanted someone there for me that I can talk to, that can be my companion. And that girl filled in that void. Um the fact that we were attracted to one another was just like 
I would say like a side effect of it, which led to a breaking point. Um, okay. So, but in that time of the two, three weeks, I was still trying on my marriage. I was still trying like to show affection, to show care. But then when I saw that, like there's someone else out there who doesn't, who hasn't spent the last five years with me, who doesn't even know me as much, who is willing to give it so effortlessly. I was like, is that what love is? Or is... So when you say that, um, like, of course, like when you met, your wife at the time obviously that was there and that's mm -hmm. what kind of got you to that point you guys were connected emotionally physically what have you and that's what kind of pushed you guys to obviously fall in love and um, get married so it was there um so do you feel like you know of course with every person and relation that you come across there's always going to be that um emotional connection at first it's just about maintaining it so yeah. I feel like it was just never maintained mm -hmm. because it was, it could have been, um, it could have stemmed from her own personal insecurities. Maybe she just didn't feel attractive enough because she did put on the weight and maybe she didn't want to come to you and talk about it because, you know, weight obviously can be um, hard to talk about even to the closest person. So with that other girl, um, did you think that that would be a permanent fix or was it because obviously it's only a temporary fix right like when you when you find that kind of spark uh in the midst of having a serious relationship only something temporary is going to come of it right so what was your expectation in speaking with this woman for you know two to three weeks uh, it was more so just as an outlet like as an escape okay. i was thinking in my mind well, you know, maybe I can have somebody who I can talk to emotionally and open up to and still gives me affection while keeping my marriage. Because for some reason in my head at the time, I was like, I won't get divorced. I won't leave my wife. Like, I won't do it. Like, mm -hmm. I would. And I guess that might go back to my committed mindset. Like, when I commit to something, I'm like, I'm going to see it through to the end. Um, and like, I'm somebody who likes to maintain anything or anything I own or have or friendships, I like to maintain it over time. And not everyone is okay. like that. Um, yeah. So you like, so if you're, you, you say that you want to, like, you wanted to maintain it and that's what you wanted to do. And you know that, like, when you obviously get into a marriage, it's a very, it's like a, it's a, it's a promise. And it's a promise between those two people. And those mm -hmm. two people come together. And, you know, there are things, obviously, that, you know, I've, I've never been, I'm not married yet. Um, but um, just from my friends or things that I've seen, um, you know, a lot of things in a marriage take work. Now, if you were saying that you were truly in it and committed, I, I don't think that you would have ever entertained then to go to someone else to just discuss something. So did you actually ever sit down and have a serious conversation with your wife and open up to her emotionally because you were like saying like you would like you know give her things or take her on trips or you know give her um you know help her with like motivating her for example like going to the gym and things like that but did you actually like emotionally open yourself up to her and tell her these things that you're feeling i would emotionally open up to her almost every single week as a mm -hmm. Conversation. 
But the problem with every time I would open up was that it was just one-sided. There was no opening up from her. There was no communication back. The maintenance was being done on my end with nothing back mm -hmm. in return. So after doing that for over two years, you start to wonder like, where are my efforts going? I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, but there's no, like there's nothing coming back from it. And like she would attempt to change or communicate back, but then it would go right back to like talking to a wall. So um, I would try and I tried, I would try so much that I would even like, like her own friends, which I didn't like bringing into the picture, but um, we had like a couple friends, like some couple friends, like other husband and wives that mm -hmm. uh, like when we would all hang out, you know, I would maybe nudge the guy and be like, hey, you know, I'm having a little bit of issues here and there. Do you think your wife can talk to my wife and maybe we can have a dialogue or something? Um, like I tried, I tried communication. Okay. I was very open with my emotions. Going back to the whole, you, you know, kind of leading up to the turning point of your marriage um, in reference to the girl that you started to speak to and try to emotionally connect with, um, what was the outcome of that and how did that affect you in the months to come? So by the third week, our conversations, which turned into flirting, which turned into all this, would eventually lead up to me and her having sex. Okay. And I remember when it happened, it was more so like, because now it felt like the dream was playing out, but that was all that the dream was. There was no other thing after that, but now it's now real life. So the first thing that of course I felt was a overwhelming amount of guilt mm -hmm. um, because like I was never with another woman in my life except for my wife. Mm -hmm. and, um, I, I dealt with a ton of guilt. I remember going home and I didn't talk to my wife that night. I just went straight to sleep. I was like, I'm tired. I want to sleep. And then the next morning when she went to work, I remember like there was so much guilt that I went to my gun and I was going to take my life. I was like, I can't live with this guilt. It's too much. Mm -hmm. But then I remember when at that last moment, I was like, something hit me and I was thinking, you know, if I'm really this unhappy to the point where it's dr driving me to take my own life, why am I in this marriage? So at that point, uh, leaving the marriage became a very uh, possible thing. Because I, I, I was thinking, I was like, I'd rather keep my life, work towards my own happiness and leave this marriage and not live a life of cheating on my wife because that's something that, you know, it brings so much guilt about. So. So um, was that like a one-time thing or did it progress into multiple women um, over well, a short period of time? No, but what happened was, so after that, after I didn't take my life, I went and I prayed and I was asking for forgiveness and I was contemplating, should I tell her what I did, what I do, you know? And I remember when I went, um, when I went to go pray, I, I went into sajda. And in my sajda, I was blaming myself. And then I asked God, 
to take away my eyesight so that I can't look at other women. So up until this point, I'm, I'm blaming myself for everything. Uh, and this was the mentality at that point. Everything to me was my fault. The reason why she wasn't emotionally there was my fault. The reason why she neglected me was my fault. Like I would just blame myself automatically. So then I would blame myself and I told God to take away my eyesight. And that was just like a dua or a prayer that I made in vain. And um, after that, I told myself, you know what, go back to your life, live normally, like just forgive yourself and move on and just don't speak a word of it and don't do it again and continue working on your marriage. So uh, I remember a month passed by and one day out of nowhere, I said, you know what, let me go get LASIK surgery for my eyes. And this was just a very random thing that I chose to do. And um, I remember when I went to go get my LASIK done, I, uh, I had my first procedure or surgery and I go home and then I notice that I can't sleep because my eyes are like killing me. Mm-hmm. So I go back to the doctor the following Monday because he has his checkup and he, he looks at me and he's like, I can't send you home. I have to reoperate on your eye. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, there's a complication. Your, uh, your flap, where they cut the flap so that, you know, they can get to your eye to buzz it. They're like, you know, your flap, we have to uh, straighten it out because it got wrinkled. I'm like, okay. okay. So then we redo the procedure. The second procedure, I actually felt the entire procedure. The numbing didn't get through my eyes. Um, and it was on my left eye that he had to work on. So the second procedure goes through and then I'm in even more pain. And like So you started having complications with the surgery that you had. Yeah, complications. And, and you think that that was based from the prayer that you made to take away the eyesight that you, you know, the, wanted that to take away from. Yeah, the point that like, the point that made me think that was for my third surgery, uh, I sat down with the doctor and I was like, listen, man, I don't know if I can do any more surgeries. You know, what's going on here? I told him, what's the worst case scenario? And he told me, you can lose your eye. And then okay. that, that's when I remembered my prayer that I made. Okay. So then after that, I was like, you know what? Um, go ahead. Uh, I went and I went to Sajda again. I went and I prostrated again and I made more dua and I prayed to God and I asked him, hey, you know, I, I need your help right now. You know, I know that I did a horrible thing and I, I made a mistake, okay. made a sin and I need your help. So mm-hmm. I remember the third procedure was very smooth, no pain involved. But before the surgery happened, uh, I was making sajda. My wife was in the room. The doctor walks into the room while I'm praying and then he, he like kind of freezes and then he leaves. And then he had to check my eye one more time before I went in for surgery. I had this symptom called Sands of Sahara, which is inflammation under the eye. And usually Sands of Sahara takes like months to clear up. But then when he came back to check it after I made my sajda, he looks at my eye and he's like, this is my first time in 25 years of doing eye surgery that I see this thing disappear within a matter of hours. And then the doctor himself said, praise Allah. And the man wasn't even Muslim. So that was kind of like a mind-blowing thing to me 
And the thing is, like, when you're going through hardship and you're going through something really tough, but you try to walk it through with God, only you and God can understand what you're going through. So everything seems like a sign. Everything seems like, you know, there's a reason for all this happening. But what you need in that time is patience. So after the third surgery, he checks my eye again, and everything from there was good. But then I was on the right path. I was like, you know what? I'm sticking to this path. It's a good path. And it took my eyes, my eyesight to come back. It took like four or five months. And in that time, I'm still married. But then I went through a time of like a lot of um, religious enlightenment, I guess. I was very religious in that time, always praying, always doing what I need to do. Now, in the midst of you being religious and all that, and uh, with your surgery and stuff, um, did you still not tell your wife about... um, yeah, I still didn't tell her. Your outside relation, you didn't tell her in the midst of being religious. Yeah, I didn't say anything at that point because at that point I was actually now entering a phase of depression, which I would realize later. And that phase of depression was the like me, one, doing what I did, and then okay. two, going through like the traumatic eye surgery experience and it healing and me not being able to see normally for months. So that depression lasted for like a good six, seven months of just me trying to get myself together. So when did you kind of tell her that and then, you know, proceed with your own health? So in that time when I was working on myself, I, I completely pretty much just like shunned away anything that stressed me out. But I also still tried to work on our marriage we still had like conversations of, you know, like what can we do to fix things, et cetera, et cetera. But it was very hard because now I'm depressed. And the only thing I would get back from her was like, why are you depressed? Like, you know, suck it up and be a man. And I was like, at this point, I didn't even feel comfortable talking to this person because now I felt like this person doesn't even care about how I feel because I've been trying to express how I feel for the last two years and they were never there. And now I'm going through the hardest time in my life and they're just telling me to suck it up. So I felt no emotional support. I felt complete neglect on her end. And to the point where she would just like come home and see me that I'm like down and she would just leave the house, go with her friends and just leave me alone. So, and then when like family would ask what's wrong with your husband, she'd be like, I don't know, he's just mad or sad or depressed. And it it just kept putting me down. So then, I start pulling myself out of depression little by little. Life start going back to normal. I start to find a balance between like Dean and Dunya. And I healed up, uh, several months would pass. And then I found myself um, basically back in this marriage where I was unhappy, where I didn't have a partner I can communicate with, somebody who neglected me completely at this point. Um, okay, so, so when did you actually just like the band-aid off confess and just tell her after the second time of me cheating another woman came into my life who uh i again she was there giving me the emotional tension i was looking for um giving me everything i was looking for and i did it again but this time i felt i didn't feel the guilt so when i didn't feel the guilt i told myself you know this is no longer a mistake. It's now a choice that I'm making. And then, yeah, and I was like, this is now a choice. It's almost like an addictive choice. 
Yeah, because I'm like, okay, she didn't figure out about the first one. Here's the second one. She's not going to figure out about it unless I tell her. And then if she didn't figure this out, I can probably stay in the marriage and still have my marriage together, but go and enjoy my life when she's not looking. And that was a very dangerous mentality to have. So I sat down with myself one day and I was like, you know what? If you're going to be making these kind of choices, the very least you can do is give this woman her peace, give yourself your peace and break this marriage up. So I remember after doing that, I sat with myself and I said, are you going to do this or not? Are you going to leave this marriage or not? And before I went and I spoke with her, I went and I spoke to my dad. And my dad told me, if you're not happy, you need to leave. So Did you tell him the extent of I told him what everything. you did? I told him okay. everything. My dad was basically his first thing. And this is not just my dad. It was all my friends, like my closest friends who I had to speak to about it. Like my best, best friends. Um, they're all like, well, don't tell her, just leave. But I was like, you know, I have it's to. Not fair. It's not fair. I have to tell her. So one night we were watching a movie, like we're in the theaters. And for the movie that we were watching, the plot of it was this lady keeps getting cheated on. And it was weird because that was also the same night that I was planning to tell my wife what I was doing. And for some reason, she chose this movie for us to watch. And I was like, okay, you know, I had no idea. And I don't think she like knew anything. She didn't know anything. I knew that for sure. Um, so after- Oh, the she movie, picked the movie? She picked, well, we both picked it, but like, she was like, let's go watch that movie. I was like, all right. She's on, she's on to you. What's she's on knowing? It's, I think it's the women, like, it's just intuition. I think it was intuition. Because mm -hmm. at that point, I had distanced myself in terms of, like... Yeah, like, she. I'm sure she felt it. I think she did on the side. She, she knew. I, I just think she didn't want to accept. Um, yeah. I mean, nobody wants to ever accept that thought of um, their yeah. partner doing it to them, whether it's a relationship, is a marriage, or even a dating yeah. relationship. Any intimate relationship, nobody wants to accept that so i'm sure like her inter inter her intuition and her gut like told her something was up but she just didn't want to accept it and based yeah. off of like the woman that you kind of described her as she's kind of the type to kind of emotionally suppress herself and um yeah not really speak about it because you know the communication wasn't really there so i don't think she would have voiced it to you mm -hmm. but it was something that i feel deep down she kind of knew yeah, she probably felt that intuition. And I think in the midst of you kind of emotionally distancing yourself and uh, cheating on these women in the midst of being in a relationship with your wife, um, she kind of became numb to you and did the same thing, disconnected, disconnected from you. Yeah, and so I think, you know, that's why it was kind of more of a roommate mentality where you guys were just kind of numb to each other and it was just... Yeah two people living under the same roof and you just really didn't know why and two different lives yeah yeah so you guys clearly started to mentally separate um yeah. you know so yeah. when you did tell her did she you know was she shocked or was it kind of just like she was just kind of like finally like you know i i know now like what i thought in my gut is true and you know, well, I'm just fine to just separate. 
Well, it was kind of interesting. I After the movie, we were driving home. We got home, and then I kept her in the car. I was like, I need to talk to you. So mm-hmm. I opened up. I just told her everything. And at first, she looked at me, and she's like, I don't know if you're, like, pulling a prank or I don't know what this is, but I don't believe it. And then I was like, I'm not pulling a prank. This is the truth. You need to believe it. And mm-hmm. she's like, no, I don't believe it. And I was like, why don't you believe it? She's like, you would never do that. I was like, I did it. Believe it. And what do you want to do about it? So she stares at me. And then she, for the first time ever, she says, fuck you. And then she uh, leaves. And she should. What? I said as any woman should. She's angry. She's, she's angry, she's... you know, I mean. Yeah, that's fine. So she, she, she was like, fuck you. She uh, goes back into her car. Uh, not into the car. She uh, goes back. Yeah, she goes into her car, leaves to her family's house. And then we don't speak for a week or two. Her mom tells her, um, her mom blamed her and was like, we all know that you really neglected him and you never showed him affection in front of anyone or even privately. Her mom was actually, it was, it was kind of weird. Her mom was on my side. Her dad was on her side, but also like telling her, hey, you like, you know, why didn't you pull your, uh, you know, why didn't you pull your weight in the marriage? It was like everybody was taking sides, whatever it was. Of course, I, I mean it's it's a it's a marriage battle at that point. Like um, everyone's invested in you guys, and and they're gonna side they're gonna take sides. With your side's gonna side with you, whether you're right or not. I and mean, at the end of the day, yeah. Yeah, but for but me, it was not about sides. It was about what's right and what's wrong. And I told no, of course. I told the mom. I told the dad. I was like, I told my parents. I was like, look, I did something wrong whether it was a cause and effect kind of thing, no matter what it was, I did something wrong. She deserves to know. And now what are you going to do about it? And her mom was like, take him back, forgive him. He's a good man. You won't find another man like him. I told her, do not take me back. I'm not happy. I don't want to be in this marriage. Let me go. So we met after that, me and her, we spoke. Her guard was very up. But for the first time after she let her guard down, we had the only in most heartfelt conversation that we ever could have that we that we never had and i was like why couldn't we just do this for the last three years this is what i've been trying to do with you i've been trying to talk to you and she's like i don't know i just never knew how to talk to you or open up or i don't know what it was and she and then she started to blame herself and then she told me i pushed you away i'm sorry i neglected you i did this but also like you didn't have to go to that extreme. And I agree, like we both agreed to kind of disagree. And then we would go on to, um, we would go on to go get our divorce and everything after that ended very peacefully. And I remember when we were at the Sheikh, at the Imam, there's the part where the Imam asks you, what about her money rights? And he looks at her and he asks, like, has she been paid her money rights? She lo- he looks at her, he looks at, she looks at us and she says, I don't want them, I forgive him. And then I looked at her and I was like, wait, what? Why did you forgive me? And afterwards I asked her, I was like, why did you forgive me? And she told me that, you know, you always forgave me for everything in our marriage. You taught me mercy. This was the one thing I could forgive you for. And then after that, that was it. 
I never heard from her or spoke with her again. That was the end of it. We ended things very peacefully and we just both went our own ways. And what I learned from that was, now bear in mind after that, I would go into another depression of about a year. And it took me a year to pull myself out of depression, true depression. But what I realized at the end of it was that if I could stoop to my lowest of lows and be there for myself and pull myself out of it, then I would not rely again in my life for anybody to be there for me. And in my lowest of lows, the only one there for me was God. And through hard lessons um, and through losing a marriage and through almost losing my eye, I learned that even through the, the darkest days when you have God by you and you mean to do right and you want to do right, you will get much more ahead and you'll find that um, your best companion is him. And going forward from there, it was very much, I told myself, you know, if I find myself in another situation like that where I'm neglected again or my emotions are not answered, because to me, that's as good as betrayal. Um, when I've entrusted you with my emotions and I've done everything that I can and have done so far and you're not there for me, especially when like I'm having my dark days, like what, what's the point of being with you at that point? Like I'm happy alone, you know, so. Have you ever carried this behavior um, in any of your relationships like that I would follow it? Have I what? Have you ever, you know, carried this behavior, like, you know, the act of cheating on someone into the relationships to follow your failed marriage? Um, I would say yes and no. Uh, depending, I would say each one was a little different. Because uh, every circumstance is different, so. But was that behavior still, Repeated. like, a lingering behavior like it was something that you tried changing but it was still there and it, it it happened again i would say yes to an extent because um for me like if i'm giving it my all and i don't get it back and then once i feel in my heart that there's a confirmation that okay i don't matter anymore then you're pretty much you're you're almost as good as done for me like how i just so so wait, no like no no judgment yeah. at all but just a, just a question to throw out if you know that deep down inside within yourself and you realized from your lesson of your marriage because you obviously took it as a lesson um, and you walked away knowing that you know if you're not happy and it's not it's not benefiting you and you have tried to do all you can then my question is is if you truly believe that within yourself and you know your worth you know your value, why why would you you know repeat the same mistake if you deep down inside just know it's not worth it for you why not just like walk away and just mm -hmm. end it and then do whatever you have to do for yourself without putting anyone else in the midst of it or through the hurt of it you know well, why keep that person around well it also depends on the situation and the circumstance um i personally you, I'd have to take every relationship, you know, separately and break down what happened there. But in terms of did it happen in that same fashion again afterwards? No, it didn't. 
I wasn't in that level of commitment with whoever I was with after that. Um, and if you ask me personally, it wasn't a cheating kind of thing. Um, because in one situation, the words I got from that other person was, hey, we're done here. And that was the, um, that's what I got from them. So I was like, okay, we're done. I'm moving on. Uh, but every situation is different. But in terms of if I was to be in another marriage, no, I would not repeat that behavior. Unless. And what if you were like talking still to, like you're still talking to someone, like even though you're not married, but you're talking to someone. I guess what I'm just trying, what I'm trying to like get at is everyone has, like, you know, people will ask you, hey, like, you know, what are your, what are your values? Like, what do you hold to your core? I guess that's my, my thing. Like, if that is something that you truly hold and carry as a value to yourself of knowing your, your worth and knowing what you, what you, you know, deserve or what you want and what you don't want, um, you know, my question is, is then why for yourself, it, it shouldn't matter um, on the situation. And again, I'm not like judging at all, like any situations or any circumstance, but I'm just putting out there, like, if you know within yourself that this is your value and what you hold, then it shouldn't matter on any situation. You should just like, know um, what it is that you want. And if it's not there, then you just walk away and then you don't involve any anyone else in the midst of it. Like, the, that's, what, that's exactly what I'm trying to get at. You know, yeah. not about, like, the type of situation or what the circumstance is. Just more to the true values that you hold within yourself. Because I think that that really shows at the end of the day who you are by the actions that you take. I agree. But also, like, I think sometimes when you're in that relationship with someone and you're trying to work it out with them, there's a lot of back and forth. Um, even after you've communicated that, hey, this is how I am and this is what I expect. And then sometimes the other party doesn't hold their weight or pull the weight as well. But my kind of like the way I am is, okay, I'm still going to try with you. I'm going to try and try and try until mm -hmm. you give me the signal that, okay, you can stop trying now. I'm done. Then I move on. Now, whether or not they try to re-spark the thing later on, that's different. But as soon as you give me the signal that, hey, I'm done with you. All right, we're done. I'm moving on. And that's so, where I tell you. So going back to, you know, bringing it back full circle with your whole relationship with your ex-wife, um, what is one thing that you could, you know, advise people who might be in that situation currently who are trying to get over, um, you know, that pain or that depression? What is one thing because you have that experience and those lessons and you've been through it? What is something that you can give, you know, our audience um, a takeaway from it? One, if you're a man... There's nothing wrong with having your man own. or woman because it, I mean this can pertain to yeah, either I'm, sex. You I'm, know what I mean. I'm just speaking from from my perspective. Experience, yeah, understandable. Man, if you have emotions, which everyone does, but feel free to communicate them and feel free to be vulnerable as a man. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with speaking how you feel, and all of that. But mm -hmm. also, besides that point your partner needs to be um, available to accept that and take care of that so that you can have that trust. Because I think one of the deepest things that you can trust somebody with are your emotions. 
And if you can't trust them there, what other areas in your relationship can you trust them on? So Mm -hmm. my whole thing is the notion that we have as Arab men or Muslim men, not even Muslim men, Arab men. As Arab men, a lot of times our fathers, our brothers, our uncles, they come off very hard, you know, it's hard to talk to them. They have, you know, an emotional wall up. As a Muslim man, looking back from the way of how the Prophet was, he was very open emotionally. Yeah, he was very open emotionally with his wives and with his companions. So I think if you are an emotional man, uh, for for both parties, y'all need to be fair to each other and give that uh, reciprocation of emotional love back to each other and not neglect one another because it's very possible for a man to be neglected in a marriage. And honestly, all the stress that we deal as men, whether it's work, whether, whatever it is, at the end of the day, all I want personally as a man is when I come to my woman that I have peace and I have tranquility and a peace of mind and that's it. And I have that love and the affection that I look for. And for that, I can be easily the most loyal man that you'll ever know. And before any of the things happened in my marriage, in total, I was with her for six to seven years, which most men at my age at the time could not speak to. Most men can't hold a relationship for six months. But my level of commitment was, I I know you, you're my friend, I love you. Here, I engage you. Okay, here, I marry you. Here, we live together now. What do you want next? Let's do it. I'm ready to commit. But if you're not there for me, then, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move away from you. I'm, I'm going to pull away. And because I just don't trust you with my emotions anymore. So but, would, you also say, would you also say, would you also say that um, you mentioned something um, in the beginning about the five love, love languages? Would yeah. you say that for the audience, a really good takeaway would be, you know, understanding their, if they're in a relationship or, you know, if they're getting to know someone or whether they're single, do you think it's important to know each other, you know, the person that they're talking to, um, the, each other's love languages and also to know their own type of love language as well, like what works for them too? Oh, it's absolutely important and you've got to incorporate it in both ways. Like if you're, you know, if your partner likes gifts, get them gifts. You know, if your partner, words of affirmation, do that. And that's part of working together and compromising. Um, but that's a very important way of doing it. Um, Just to truly understand your companion. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes that's through communication. That comes through communication and it comes through um, working together. And if you don't have communication or consideration for one another's feelings, then you'll never have those conversations to understand who they are. And I think that's like the, one of the first things is, is have your communication straight. And if your partner wants to talk to you, talk to them, um, no matter what it takes, because you yeah. can't read people's minds. Of course. Of course. Consistency is key. Yeah, and be consistent with it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for thank sharing. Thank you for sharing your story and, and opening up like that. You yeah. know, really giving us the depth of, you know, what you've been through and your lessons and your experiences and in this situation, honestly, like it takes a man, a true man who's kind of gotten over it to even be able to talk about something like this so maturely and just really 
wear your heart on your sleeve. So we really appreciate you for coming on and we hope that everyone who is hearing this, um, you know, they really take away from this and um, it hopefully helps you in some sort of way because nobody in this world is alone. We all experience very similar things and um, we're here to help one another. Exactly. And also, too, no one is perfect. Mm, nobody. And um, like, it's just amazing that you are able to open up so much about this experience and, you know, also taking the accountability for the things that, you know, you've been through and what you've done. And to have this on is so, so impactful. Yes, true. So thank you. We appreciate you. So you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you.